to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am that first-timer in that I had never seen Doctor Who until I sat down to start this podcast with the help of my experts, a group of friends that love this show so much that had been begging me to watch this show, and now Every week, I just can't get enough of this amazing franchise, this amazing fandom, and this week is no exception. I'm talking about episode three from series five. Can you believe it? And that is Victory of the Daleks. And of course, if you've been listening to the podcast prior to this episode, you know that if it involves Daleks, it involves John Sobel. Hello and welcome to another <laughs> of the Daleks episode. Of the Daleks episode. Of the Daleks. It feels like we have to begin it with a classic exterminate. Yes. <laughs> I do like the fact that when the new when you know there was a lot of a lot of speaking of the Daleks in this episode, but exterminate was yet very minimal. Mm-hmm. So that word, they only used it once or twice. It was <laughs> It was not a constant over and over and over like a typical Dalek episode. So that was a definitely a, a, an interesting part of this. It was, so. a, it was a new uh, change. So, dear yes. listener, uh, as always, if you have not already seen Victory of the Daleks, as I mentioned, it is part of Series 5, Episode 3. Pause the podcast now. Go watch the show and join us when you're done because inevitably we're going to spoil you. So now that you've been given the warning, we're going to jump right in. Uh, yes, not only do they say it very little, uh, they start off as like servants of the British Army. Oh, yeah. So much fun. It's it's such a clever ruse um, and to make it work for them, because clearly this was something they needed. This is, you know, such a rare occasion where the Daleks win. Mm. They did exactly they, what they meant to do. Uh, yes. But it was, it, it was great first off, because again, this is the first time that I've seen Matt Smith face off against the Daleks, which at this point uh, I've come to realize they are pretty much the doctor's biggest threat next to uh, his own kind, the the Time Lords, you know, next yes. to the Master. Uh, the Daleks are really the the next, the, the, the only real major villain that the doctor has ever come across. Uh, you know, the Cybermen are threatening and uh, somewhat dangerous, but they're nowhere near the menace uh, that the Daleks are. So interesting to you know you you hear the 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 whoosh of their plasma laser beam cannon thing and immediately you see he recognizes what's going on but doesn't want to say in the way that he's been playing the doctor so far and then when he sees them it's almost a duplicate to the reaction that uh the 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 ninth doctor had it was one of incredulity, like, I'm not sure that I'm seeing this correctly because this can't possibly be. Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, how many times can you uh, destroy the entire race 
before they're finally destroyed. Right. Uh, you know, we've had, we've had, um, let's see, in the first time we've seen him, it was the final, it was the only Dalek left in existence, mm-hmm. and he killed himself. Mm-hmm. Next time we saw them was uh, working with the Cybermen. We're not working with no, the Cybermen. The, the, we came the over next time when, we saw them was when uh, Bad Wolf was revealed. Oh, Bad Wolf, right. And they were uh, all Where rebuilt. they had gathered and, and had been basically building themselves back up from uh, human DNA. Right. Well, no, then they came with, the, no, the, before the, right. But then they came with the Cybermen, the, the, the four in the. Then, correct, the, they returned. The <laughs> at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they created, um, they were in Manhattan, cre- you know, and, and uh, enslaving er, humans right. and turning them creating, into pigmen. Creating and, human ones. Um, and then they, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, then the next time they took the, they took the 20, 38 planets. Yep. Um, and then, uh, and that was only last year, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, it was only a couple episodes ago. But for, <laughs> for, for them, it was last year. Yet Amy doesn't seem to know that. That, that was that. Uh, that was an interesting. So you know, again, first time for this pairing uh, to come up against the Daleks, and uh, it it didn't hit me that she didn't recognize the Daleks because I just kind of assumed. You know, this is her first time adventuring uh, with the doctor. So when he says, Amy, tell him about the Daleks, I'm like, why would she know anything? And then he mentions it. It was like, come on, you know, all the planets in the sky, the Daleks. And I was like, yeah, that would have been definitely the second time she would have been exposed to the Daleks. Because, exactly. you know, the, the, the Daleks uh, with the ghost situation would have been the first time that she would have seen Daleks sort of swarming around in the sky and then with the uh, appearance or the the teleportation of uh, planet earth she would have seen them there too so interesting that she is i mean like completely oblivious like does not know or understand what the doctor is referencing which is very unusual uh, and of course, if I ask, I have a fear I'm going to hear a... Spoilers. Absolutely. Of course. Uh, I, I've i gotten to the point where I can uh, share my own... Uh, Spoilers. Because <laughs> I just kind of know it's going to happen. I'm going to ask a question that it's going to get it. Um, so interesting, and I'm going to ask a super nerdy question because that's who I am. Uh, so they're in the middle of World War II. They're in the middle of one of the many blitzes. Would this be shortly after the blitz that Nine and, you know, Captain Jack uh, sort of participated in and, and intervened in? Uh, you know, is there in a different part of London at the same time? Is there a Rose and another Doctor and uh, and a, a Captain Jack? Being that the Doctor cannot cross his own time path, um, I'm going to guess it was not exactly the same time. But uh, you see the dirigibles are flying in the sky, which means that it's definitely 
uh, the same time frame. So I don't think they're both there at the same time, but it's definitely similar, you know, maybe weeks apart, maybe months apart, could even be years apart. You know, the, the blitz. Yeah. It, it uh, went the on bombing, for a while, bombing of London but... happened for many years during that time. But it just, it looked very familiar. The clearly all the dirigibles or the, the balloons to sort of, uh, try to dissuade or, or, you know, redirect, uh, Nazi bombers away from certain areas, uh, they they all seem to be in the same places as they were when the Doctor and Rose first appeared there, to the extent that every time they showed that shot with the Tower of London or with Big Ben behind it, I kept expecting to see like a little shimmer since Jack's ship was hidden or parked right in front of it. Yeah, you know, it's it's... You know, he could have done that just to make a, a little fun thing, but I guess um, they're holding still to the tr- to the you know not being able to cross uh, without ma- without major issues. Speaking of not able to cross without major issues, as the doctor mentions uh, when they first arrive, that uh, or as Churchill says that he called a month ago, and he says he's still trying to work out the kinks of the new TARDIS. Yeah, uh, model so forty at TARDIS. Mark forty. Mark forty. Yeah. TARDIS obviously uh, received an upgrade at some point, which or upgraded <laughs> itself because we yeah. saw that you know it it almost you know it all but disintegrated on his reentry, and then it took it a while, uh, almost like it took the TARDIS a while to regenerate too. Yes. You know, kind of um, like the, yeah, the first time those. the first time I saw the regeneration, it was from nine to ten, and it took ten uh, at least almost the entirety of an episode sitting in a bed while he finished cooking, uh, as uh, <laughs> as Matt <laughs> Smith uh, alluded to uh, in his first full episode, the eleventh hour, but. You know, this time around, it was like he was still finishing, but he was up and about. The TARDIS was the one that needed, like, uh, give me a day. I need a day to, you know, yeah. catch up and get everything going. And as we mentioned in that episode, when uh, when uh, the Christmas uh, invasion episode, that uh, that's trope of the Doctor hardly being in the first episode after regeneration. Uh, there's only a couple times when that didn't happen, and this was one of them. Mm. When Matt Smith joined, that he was boom right out the gate, even though he was still "quote unquote" cooking and running around a lot, he was a lot more involved in the in a beginning episode than um, than Tennant was mm-hmm. in his first episode. Oh yeah, by far. Um, so I assume uh, there's going to be more to come uh, as it pertains to this new version of the TARDIS? Uh, a little bit, but it just, um, it just struck me. That was, I, and when watching it recently is when I caught that. I don't think I, you know, mm. the, the TARDIS always acted funny uh, and took the doctor when he was needed, not necessarily when he was, you know, the time he wanted to go. Sometimes it could take some exact, you know, the doctor can pilot it exactly, mm-hmm. but most of the time not. 
Well, and now that I know that the TARDIS was meant to be piloted by six pilots all at once, well, yes. <laughs> it explains why sometimes the doctor has a hard time getting it to go uh, exactly when he intends to. Um, and that, you know, most of the time the TARDIS is able to exert uh, a, a bit of its will onto the the doctor's uh desired plan and uh and path um but yeah it it immediately pinged my ear as ooh okay so there's more to the tardis's change than just cosmetic there's you know um, yes <laughs> there's that um and oh and speaking of cosmetic as you mentioned in the first episode as the tardis did change that you had that extra um little piece on the door uh mm-hmm. which was a um a sticker for the hospital, uh, which is what you're also supposed to be able to call when you uh, pick up a police phone. You can either call the police or call uh, the hospital on the original uh, phone booths, mm-hmm. police boxes that were there uh, in the you know 40s, 50s, 60s. When they were there, that is a callback to the very first doctor. Mm. Uh, that was on the TARDIS. Uh, from the, with the first doctor, that and sticker for St. John's, that sticker for St. John's hospital has been, is on the first doctor and then it's been off. So this was a callback that, uh, Moffat wanted to link because he knew he was building up towards the 50th, um, uh, year, you know, celebration mm. of doctor who. So he was already in the process of calling back from, uh, Doctors of old. Oh, that's cool. Because I did wonder, um, <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, I try not to get spoiled or I try not to spoil myself or let people spoil me uh, since I decided both to start watching the series uh, but also to podcast about it. And uh, in trying to pull up designs, you know, when I was uh, first starting with the show and super excited and creating my own fan art and then creating some of the art that I've used for the merch shop uh, at firsttimelord.com, I noticed that there were slight variations but unique differences to some of the TARDISes that have appeared throughout the years in this new, new who. Uh, and uh, that was one of the the changes that I recognized right away as it came on screen, uh, this series of, oh, okay, the TARDIS is definitely changed. And it's, uh, it's not just a cosmetic change on the inside. It's also a deviation and a change on the outside too, which I like. Oh, yes. It, it, it's, yeah, there's always a different, you know, it's bluer or it's a little more in the greener color, uh, depending on who has it. You can see that. Um, you'll always find things online if you look online and uh, find all the different pictures of the TARDISes lined up next to each other. There's subtle differences in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, um, so, you know, as they were talking about in, uh, Moffat said in the beginning, uh, like, uh, when uh, the doctor opened the crack in Amy's wall and there was a big eye because it was easy to draw mm-hmm. as doctor who has always been a kid's show and making the TARDIS look just slightly different is another thing for the kids to draw. Mm. It's a diff- slightly different color, other things on there. It's all doctor who has always been a family show. So they always wanted to do whatever they could do 
you know, reach out to the little ones. Yeah, to incorporate the uh, the younger audience. Exactly. Uh, so um, back to the show in this episode, we get very little actual involvement from Amy, which, uh, you know, she's around and she's there, but she doesn't really play any sort of pivotal role in this except for uh, changing the, the doctor's approach in in trying to humanize the android that the Daleks constructed uh, as part of their uh, ruse on <laughs> on the whatever base uh, that Winston Churchill is manning. Right. Yeah, and she was, it was, uh, she was not a necessity. Um, uh, she was the Mary Jane. She was the person just to help us mm-hmm. keep the story moving forward by asking the right questions. Yeah, she, um, you know, after, I know it's unfair to judge people uh, based on previous actors, but after, you know, the the series of Donna uh, and and how incredibly uh, pivotal she was to almost every episode that she was in. Certainly, she had a presence in every episode. It just kind of felt like she faded into the background a little too much for my taste uh, on an episode that otherwise felt very male centric. Uh, well, she did, but at the same time, there was a key component that was directed with with uh, Karen Gillum in mind. And that was the height of the Daleks. Mm. These new Daleks that were built, even the, the (laughs) iron sides that were built are bigger than the uh, previous incarnations because the previous incarnations were built with Billy Piper's height in mind. Mm -hmm. So that the ice stock would go evenly in eye to eye with Billy Piper. And Karen is a few inches taller. Mm, yeah. So they redesigned these so that the ice the ice stock of the new Daleks would go eye to eye with Karen Gillum. Well, and uh, speaking of the the new design, uh, again, I, I try not to spoil myself, but in looking for uh, reference uh, art for when I was working on uh, some three D modeling of Daleks, I came across these new Dalek designs and boy, those are some sleek looking Daleks. Oh uh, yeah. Well, there's um, one way to say it. <laughs> um, they were, they're, you know, either people love them or they hate them. Really? Yes. Uh, but the actual coloring um, is scientist, which is orange strategist, which is the blue drone, <laughs> which is the red. Eternal, which is the yellow, and Supreme, which is the white. So even in the Daleks, they have a red shirt. (laughs) Yes, yes, they have a red shirt. And, uh, you know, just, but there was some, there was always, you know, when they first came out, there was always an outcry of, of, you know, fans who don't like any change. Sure. You know, heaven yeah. forbid you should change anything. But, you know, Daleks are just supposed to be, uh, they know who their leader is. They don't have to have color changes to it uh, to to determine who's who. 
uh, they know what they're doing. They don't need it. It's, you know, so you always have that little fight going on. Well, but the, uh, the ones they don't need these colors. There, it's just the neon neon Dalek. There's been Daleks that have had different coloring than the standard sort of copper look to them uh, in New Who already. Oh, absolutely. I don't know about uh, the previous Who. I've seen stills from uh, the Doctor Who movie, which apparently does not play into the canon of the show. Uh, but there were also multicolored Daleks in that. So yes, I'm not sure why the fans would be so opposed. These look super sleek. I mean, it looked like something that I could walk into the sharper image and uh, expect to see in the corner. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm still looking for a little, uh, a little, uh, gray Dalek to put on my, uh, on my, uh, Stratego board. The, the almost 3d printed looking one that they placed down to, right. to move on the thing. On the, on the, you know, on the board of, uh, on the war board yeah, to determine everything. Okay. I'm sure, I'm um, sure we can find somebody with a 3d printer, uh, that oh, can make yeah. this dream come true for John. So dear listener, any yeah. one of you out there, let's, uh, let's make this happen for, for our expert, John. Um, but, uh, my wife actually commented on this while we were watching it. Uh, you know, this is uh, the first time that at least in this version of Doctor Who, I don't know about the previous version, but the first time that we meet Winston Churchill. And there is yes. an allusion played to the fact that he has seen the Doctor before, that he knows that the Doctor uh, changes looks from time to time. Uh, but he was kind of a friendlier, uh, more likable version of the uh, bulldog of uh, of the UK as he was known uh, during the war, you know, and certainly oh, very, a much friendlier yeah. version than has been depicted in recent uh, incantations. Absolutely. There was definitely a, uh, uh, he was, I mean, he was happy because he was winning. Mm-hmm. You know, he had his he had his secret weapon, and he was going to win the war. Um, so it was the fact that um, he was definitely not a uh, uh, not as uh, war worn, war worn, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, as he's been seen before because of this. Um, as we've uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as we've uh, heard of or seen. I'm trying to find in my notes. Uh, there's there's one other time where the doctor it was a it's an audio um, where the doctor and uh, Churchill are together. And of course, I'm never going to find it right this moment. I'll find it as we're talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not you, you didn't see it on TV. You didn't see it then, you know. But it's definitely. Um, uh, da, 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 here we go. Churchill remarks that he's seen the doc- that the doctor has changed his face again, implying that he's encountered at least two other incarnations of his. The doctor has already met Churchill in his sixth car- incarnation, okay, um, and in his second incarnation. And both of these are called prose. So I'm assuming these are audios. Mm. Uh, one is called Shadow of the Glass. The sixth incarnation, the second incarnation was Players. It's saying P-R-O-S-E, it's all capitalized. I'm assuming that's um, the audio series. 
Well, and he, I mean, he, he knew how to get a hold of uh, the doctor. So clearly the doctor oh, yeah. had given him a way to reach out and, uh, right. and ask for which help. Is, which is always funny because you did, um, obviously you can count, you, you know, somebody can call the doctor in, in the, in the phone booth and have it ring. And yet when Martha needed to contact the doctor, she had to leave his, her phone with him mm-hmm. so that she knew how to get a hold of him. I guess uh, she was special enough to get the keys to the TARDIS, but not special enough to get the, the number. number. Or she maybe forgot. You know, she didn't put it in her uh, in her mobile. Right. <laughs> that's what you know, That's what led to that. Um, but yeah, I liked this version of Churchill. I you know I, I love the actor that played him in this version as well. Um, but you know, it it definitely went along with the general. Uh, spirit and feel of this uh, new series uh, so far in that it things are a little lighter uh, even things uh, like the in, like encountering the Dalek uh, you know it's still not as dark and dreary and just uh, it, it, it you know it, things are maybe a little more kid friendly, maybe a little brighter, uh, you know, things really do, uh, seem different than what we had seen in the, in the previous, uh, series. Uh, so I kind of also appreciate that it's, it's sticking with its new aesthetic in, in that way. Yes, absolutely. Also keeping with the, uh, uh, the aesthetic of the previous seasons of going back in time, to a historical time on the third episode, such mm-hmm. as the Shakespeare Code, or the Tooth and Claw, and the Unquiet Dead, mm-hmm. all were the third episode of the season. Yeah, it's always uh, we the went future back in time first, to some history, and then the past, right? And so they wanted to do that uh, to keep that same uh, rolling along to keep as many people uh, uh, keeping it. Uh, still like it was, even though it's a completely different show with a different showrunner. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I appreciate the <laughs> the connection that they're trying to make and sort of the continuation of, uh, of certain things. Um, but I also appreciate that they're, you know, they're, they're employing some differences, and I, I liked that. I liked the fact that the Doctor for a good part of this episode is walking by and almost cohabitating with the Dalek, even though, you know, it seems like he's more concerned with trying to convince other people that the Dalek are bad than being worried about the fact that the Dalek are just like strolling by him or bringing, you know, other people tea and just, uh, it, it was an interesting, you know, it, it's certainly not the way that I expected the doctor to behave. I thought the doctor would immediately be like, nope, get get all these things, put them in a room somewhere. Let's talk about it, you know? Right. And there was only three. It's not like it was that big of a deal. Right. Um, but there, there, there was still just like, you know, there's that scene where they're walking down the hallway and the Dalek goes right by and... There's a scene where he's talking to uh, the scientist, uh, Bracewell. The, yeah, uh, and and the the Dalek is sort of looking in from behind. You're like, 
it just seems uh, it, it seems unlike what we've seen the doctor to be uh, in the sense that you know why would he willingly turn his back on a Dalek when he obviously knows that the Daleks are just doing something they're up to no good and and he's trying to find out the entire time right and that's it was just such a it was such a doctor move to want the Daleks to play their card mm. um you see the doctor a lot of times in previous you know who are you where are you from what is your planet of origin you know it's like you know don't lie to me you have to tell me mm-hmm. it's like part of International law, you know, name, rank, and serial number. You have to tell me this, this information. As part of the shadow um, proclamation, you have to do this. Right, the shadow proclamation, you have to do this. And it just becomes that, it would yell, you know, screaming, you know, that you, you have to admit that you're the Daleks. You have, I have to prove that I'm right without even realizing that that was their ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Was by being in World War II and by being with Churchill is going to bring in the doctor, which is going to make him go nuts because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And for him to go crazy and to admit they are so that the progenitor does work and it makes all this stuff happen. And you do get the victory of the Daleks. Not Um, only do we get the victory of the Daleks, but it's the first time, again, since I've been watching Doctor Who, that a villain has had the upper hand. Most of the time, uh, it, it's usually a two-parter where the, the first part ends seemingly with the doctor uh, on his back foot and, and then immediately seen at the end of the, you know, at the beginning of the next episode that the doctor did in fact have everything uh, well underhand. Uh, you know, we saw that with the Slovene uh, and the ninth doctor. Uh, we saw that. Uh, many times uh, with Tennant. And uh, here, uh, you know, this is usually what happens. This is, at least in my experience, uh, the idea that the doctor is basically playing into the hands of a villain is kind of what the master has always been able to do. Right. And that's the one, uh, the one villain, quote unquote who's always had the upper hand with the doctor. So for someone else to have that is definitely uh, disconcerting for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you can see it, he plays it. Matt Smith plays it beautifully in his face at the very end. He's just so disheartened that they actually won, that he wasn't able to stop them from doing anything. Yeah, and almost immediately realized, oh my gosh, they knew. They knew I was going to choose Earth. They knew I was going to do this. And this was exactly what they wanted. Exactly. Uh, so I'm assuming I'm going to get a, uh, spoilers, but I'm going to ask anyways, (laughs) uh, this is going to clearly come back into play later the season, right? Or is this part of the Moffat long game as it was with, uh, uh, with Russell T Davies, uh, dear listener, you cannot see this, but John is uh, basically pointing at his lips as if they are sealed. So we're going to give it another spoilers and move on. Uh, so it's the it's the Daleks. And you know, they're not going to just come. It's not going to be a one and done. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's the Daleks. 
So now it's time for my favorite segment of this and every week, which is the TARDIS Tidbits with Ashley. This is Ashley's TARDIS Tidbits for Series 5, Episode 3, Victory of the Daleks. The inspiration for this episode came from when Stephen Moffat visited the cabinet war rooms with his sons. They had since been turned into a museum, and while touring this, he got the ideas. He instructed writer and actor Mark Gatiss to write a story about the Daleks and the Nazis. Mark Gatiss, who you'll remember from writing many episodes, as well as starring in the Lazarus Experiment in Series 3, when he wrote the first draft of this episode, Matt Smith had not yet been cast as the Doctor. So he wrote it as a generic Doctor, although Stephen Moffat said it sounded like it should be for John Pertwee. Once Matt Smith had been cast, Mark Gatiss watched Party Animals, anything he could get his hands on that Matt Smith had starred in. He used it to, quote, download his speech patterns and examine his phrasing and energy. This is also the only episode in which the episode's writer appears in the episode. Mark Gatiss is the voice of the Spitfire pilot. He also wrote in the script that the Daleks' redesign should be, quote, bigger buggers, bigger than we've ever seen them before. Their eye stalk was designed to be right at eye line level with the Doctor. They wanted the new Daleks to be very colorful, very similar to the Daleks in the films from the 60s. In a scene cut from the final episode, it explained how the Doctor and Churchill had known each other for a long time. At one point, Amy tells Bracewell that he's done quite well for a Paisley boy. This is a reference to Stephen Moffat, who had just taken over as executive producer, and he is from Paisley. This episode has the record for the most Dalek props, excluding CGI, cutouts, and toys, etc., used in a single story, with no less than eight Daleks on screen at the same time. And another crack sighting on the wall behind the TARDIS right after she takes off. Hmm. I feel like the crack on the wall could be important. Spoilers. Thank you so much, Ashley. As always, love the TARDIS tidbits. God, so much information in there. And now I'm going to launch into a question that I have a feeling is going to be another spoilers. And then um, we're going to go into what I might have missed. But there seemed to be something that... uh, could have flown under the radar and maybe this is me just uh looking in the wrong direction and picking up on the wrong thing but at the beginning of the episode there's a certain female soldier that she seems very concerned over a specific squadron and then you know at the end of the episode she seems disheartened because her possibly boyfriend was flying with this squadron Uh, is this going to have anything to do or is this just part of the episode that connects it to World War II? Just part of the episode that connects it to World War II. Okay. All right. And then there's another one. This one seemed to be a little more um, on the nose. Uh, But the name of the woman that the android was in love with. Oh, uh, what was it? Marabella? 
Dorabella, just, I think. Dorabella. Dorabella. There it is. Yes, yes. Dorabella. Dorabella. Is that, uh, is that something that's going to... No. no. Nothing no. else. Just... Uh, See, sometimes I get a little too excited, uh, and uh, I go chasing down rabbit holes that end up being <laughs> dead ends. Rabbit holes, rabbit right? Rabbit so rabbit holes. Uh, that's it. I thought I was like being super coy. I'm like, oh, I picked up on those two things. Is it gonna? Nope. So what did I miss? Okay. Well, I mean, there's not much. It's it's a setup episode. You need to set up the Daleks. So they they needed the doctor's testimony to you know, get their new paradigm to work. Um, let's see. Let's start out with the uh, TARDIS self-destruct button. <laughs> the cookie. The Jimmy Dodger, which is now listed as one of the doctor's favorite foods um, <laughs> to go along with bananas and, uh, and fish fingers and custard. Um, so that's, you know, you have to add that to it. Um, let's see what else. I have lots of notes here. Um, in the, uh, we were talking about the, the different colors, meaning a different paradigm, uh, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddis admitted they have no idea what the yellow being eternal means, but it sounds cool. <laughs> uh, um, the, um, the line that the Dalek said, I am your soldier was, uh, with a deliberate pause on the S before they said soldier, I am your soldier um and that was uh echoes the i am your servant claim made by the daleks in a second dollar story the power of the daleks and again that's a a a link to people who have been watching the show forever uh the plot of the stories are similar and the daleks are far sneakier and the plot is of the two stories, which shows the Daleks in far sneakier light than they usually appear, is also similar. Okay, I was reading that incorrectly. Um, it is also true that Winston Churchill was fond of the acronym EBO, which is keep buggering on. However, his female typists were more <laughs> familiar with the more gentlemanly version, KPO, which it was keep plotting on. Um, so that was, uh, so he kept on, you know, that was something that was taken right from. Uh, history. Um, when Amy caught Winston Churchill stealing the TARDIS key from mm-hmm. the doctor, she says, Oi, Churchill. And of course, I thought immediately that was a, um, that was a, uh, more t- of the, uh, last year of the doctor and have sure, more of the, a, the a Donna feel to Donna. it. <laughs> Uh, but I guess uh, this is very reminiscent of hugely popular advertisements on British TV for a car insurance company. And so that was done for British folks. It wasn't necessarily done for uh, anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, sh- I had one more thing that I really liked. Um, do-do-do-do. There was one more, and I'm not going to find it in time. But that's enough. Obviously, the idea of the Daleks originally were, you know, were to be like Nazis. So to show mm-hmm. them fighting the Nazis is always that nice little uh, <laughs> Just connection. Position, of, yeah. Uh, that that's always fun to see. And well, they even mention the master race again uh, in this episode, right? Exactly. Um. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, this will, this have the doctors had a group of soldiers pointing weapons at him shortly or after leaving the TARDIS before, uh, in, uh, army of ghost aliens of London in the Torchwood tower. Um, so he's have, that's when he walks out and all the people are, you know, are standing with the, uh, with their guns on him mm-hmm. uh, in the very beginning when he first, uh, gets there. So that's something that's, uh, reminiscent of past times. And then we're going to you know, go to the very end mm-hmm. uh, of the episode where you see where the doctor then once again is concerned over the fact that Amy doesn't remember this stuff and the doctor de- and the TARDIS dematerializes. And what do you see on the wall? Yes. So I did notice it this time. I, I missed it in the beast below. I mean, I, I noticed it, but I didn't sort of connect it as a bigger deal. Um, but I did notice the crack on the wall, the crack in the wall. So now it's it, appeared it, it in feels like all it's a, three it's of the a, first episodes. It feels like it's a bad wolf, doesn't it? It, it certainly feels like it's going to be a bigger deal than it was made to sound like in the 11th hour. Yes, absolutely. But I'm sure if I were to ask anything, I would get a... Spoilers. Oh, no, you can ask. Okay. Um, what about the crack? Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> what about the Twinkie? Uh... <laughs> Well, thank you so much, John, for uh, (laughs) once again uh, joining me uh, on this uh, interesting. I mean, I I always enjoy the Daleks. It it seems like uh, they're the perfect foil for the Doctor and they can absorb all these different qualities. Uh, And uh, it was very interesting. It, It was definitely... Uh, part of the imagery that my son gleamed onto the most during the, you know, at the end of the 11th hour, you kind of get a a whole series worth of trailer, you know, like the trailer (laughs) for the entire series. And that was the thing that my son was like, a Dalek with the British flag? What was that? Uh, So he was definitely very excited to watch this episode with me and to find out uh, what what the deal was with that. Um, so I, I, I cannot wait for next week, uh, but. Oh, and also uh, just one thing for those of us who are watching it on HBO max in the, uh, during the, uh, 10th doctor season, it looked, it felt like after not watching the, uh, credits for a couple of times, it would automatically pass it. It's not passing them anymore. They're showing the next season, the next show's credit. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Previews at, at the so end of series four. You don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> at the end, uh, at the end of every uh, episode in series four, they just jumped to the credits, uh, clearly not showing what's about to happen next week. Um, and it does not seem to be the case uh, again in this series. Uh, so I, you know, I, I did see what's happening, and I'm excited uh, that we're gonna we're gonna get to hear spoilers and see spoilers herself in the next episode. But yes. thank you so much for joining us, John. Again, uh, I I enjoy our conversations thoroughly, uh, and especially now that it's a thing that we just are almost destined to always be together for the Daleks. Well, I enjoy the Daleks and I enjoy, uh, 
talking about Doctor Who to virtually anybody. So <laughs> I'm glad I could do it this way. And then I'm talking to a lot more of people, Doctor a lot Who. more people. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us in yet another exciting uh, first time, Lord. As always, you can support us by, most importantly, going to firsttimelord.com. There you can find uh, this episode as well as all of our previous episodes in which you can leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, what's going on? Do you like these new Daleks? I did. I kind of enjoyed it. Felt like they were designed by uh, the guy from Apple. Um, so uh, let us know your thoughts there. If you want to support the show, I mentioned it earlier, but we do have a merch shop that can also be found at firsttimelord.com. Uh, we got some cool shirts and iPhone cases. Uh, just check it out. If merch is not your thing, but you still want to help out with the cost of production, you can head on over and click the link that will take you to our Patreon page, or you can search for me, Daniel Levain, on Patreon and become a supporter of the show that way or the most important way that you can support the show is by sharing this episode and the podcast in general with anybody in your life that is like me and may be prone to liking this kind of stuff but has never ventured uh, or wanted to take the leap into this greater world that is Doctor Who uh, because let's face it Doctor Who is amazing and who wouldn't want to see the show well somebody like me until I was well cajoled into doing it but now i love it i absolutely do and i want to grow this audience and i want to grow the fandom uh with as many people as possible but i am out of time and uh, gotta get ready back in my i guess mock 40 version of the tardis now to head into next week and find out what's going on with river phoenix see you next week Spoilers.